International. Another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. What's up? Still in studio. Still in studio. Still Long in trip. Austin. Yeah, yeah. I've been here for a couple weeks now. I've just been sitting quietly yeah. in <laughs> Pat's apartment, just yeah. while I staring fi- at the wall. Yeah, while I just went about my day and yep. filled with tracks and such. Yep. Until uh, we were ready to record. And yeah. Here yeah, we yeah. are. Yep. Yeah, Yep. Uh, you know, we, we uh, nothing new has happened since we recorded the last one. Uh, today is <laughs> we the saw thir- we saw uh, Danny Palumbo and Chris Tellis. Danny That's Palumbo and Chris Tellis stopped by. Uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the Velveeta Room. Yeah, fabulous Austin comedy comedy institution. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's happening today to give you a little time stamp of where we're at. And uh, we were just talking about this outside, but uh, Velveeta Room is a really interesting place. And if you live in Austin, you really should check it out. It's like you know, like you said, 30 years. Uh, yeah. It's been here. It's it's an institution in the Austin like performing arts community and uh, it's a lot of fun I headlined there last weekend and I had a blast Uh, it it really like it's a good place to go to really get a sense of how good the Austin comedy scene is because it's really fucking good so go check it out yeah 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 guys I I can't recommend that enough and if you're out of town uh, just visit immediately and then go to the Velveeta room and leave promptly but (laughs) but, uh, yeah I guess you know we just want to go ahead and kind of dive right in sure here I Uh, have another segue yeah okay okay yeah yeah speaking of history oh all right we have a historical con yeah yeah we have have a uh, we're going back in time guys we're going back in time to the uh to the 1890s all right yeah uh well within the 1890s we're actually our story starts in the 1860s okay uh and it starts in uh in a family it starts in georgia Okay. All right. So 1830s uh, Georgia, famously uh, progressive. Yeah. Time and place. Yeah, yeah. It was 1860s Georgia. Oh, sorry. So even 1860s. even more so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's being burned down. Yes. By, yeah, uh, yeah, Sherman. Yeah. By yeah, by, by the okay. Union. Uh, no, well, we're talking today about the uh, the Jefferson Randolph Smith, aka Soapy Smith. Soapy Smith, definitely Soapy Smith. a good guy. Definitely not yes. a racist. No, or, no, no, uh, not at no. all. Not at all. Not the slightest. He's not a racist. He's very honest. Uh, we just this is a good guy. It's one of the good guys. Okay, great. Soapy Smith, I believe it. <laughs> no, uh, Jefferson Randolph Smith was born into a well-to-do Georgia family of ministers and lawyers. Uh, the Smiths had family wealth. Those famously non-corrupt Southern yeah. Civil War. <laughs> Ministers yeah, and yeah, lawyers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't like they were out there you know, biblically justifying, you know, the separation no, of the races not. or anything. Of course not. Uh, and you know, it's a, as a reflection of their good hearts, their wealth was in land and slaves. Uh, so you know, just like most shitty families yep. uh, back then. So uh, after the Civil War and the tumultuous Reconstruction period, his family lost everything. Uh, so that's sad. Uh, now, Jefferson's father was a lawyer who soon turned to alcohol and then moved his family to Round Rock, Texas. 
Here we go. Home of the big old donuts. <laughs> yeah. Home of the big old donuts, uh, a northern suburb of Austin, Texas. Yes. Yeah, right there on the, on the 35 corridor right above us. Now, out this there. It's just a speed trap town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They will fuck with you. It's like, you're going all fast. You're like, oh, is that an Ikea? That's cool. Boom. Next thing you know, yeah. here. I mean, all cops are bad, but northern suburb Austin cops are yeah. some of the worst. Like, Georgetown and Round Rock. Yes. Fucking awful. Williamson County. Wilco, as Ugh. it's known. Wilco. Uh, local. Bad. Yeah. B-A-D. So, uh, that's why the Jeffersons are the, yeah, the Smiths went there. Now, little Jefferson, his mother operated a hotel in Round Rock, and that was a whistle stop on the railroad. Okay. So they had a lot of people coming and going. Uh, it's said that Jefferson's first job was working for his mother as a steerer to her business. To his, her business. A steerer? A, uh, a barker. He would go okay. out. Well, he would get people to go from the train platform to their uh, their hotel, which was also their house. So, uh, you just made me think of this Uh He's a Barker. Our most uh, familiar Barker to us is, again, at Velveeta Room. Velveeta Room. Uh, a man named Michael Park. Michael was Park. De- a delight. Um, he has a very specific voice, and yeah. he's a very specific uh, Barker. And uh, Pat Dean, who's a bartender there, told me that uh, Michael Park said something to him the other day that I cannot stop thinking about. And that was that he said somebody was, I'm going to do my best Michael Park impression, uglier than a homemade fence. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot stop thinking about it. Oh. Isn't that so good? Uglier than a homemade fence. And I can so see him saying that. Uglier than a homemade fence. Uglier than a homemade fence. Homemade fences are very ugly. Yeah, they're never good. good Yeah, yeah, it it, it, it gets the point across. (laughs) Man, he has the most specific, like, I've done his job before a couple nights. It's harder than you think. It's much harder, yeah. And he says things like, uh, people walk by, he's been saying the same things for 30 years. And a couple couple of them haven't aged well. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's. uh, I promise if you are. Sexually harassed by Michael Park. Yeah. He's a good man. He's <laughs> he just has not updated his repertoire yeah. in a while. For example, he has a, if a group of women walk by, hey, ladies, we got plenty of underage boys inside. And then he'll wait a beat and he'll say, I didn't say which age they were under. Yep. <laughs> Classic. There's uh, bring her in, make her grin. The iconic. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one. Bring her in, make her grin. Bring her in, make her grin. Yeah, here at the Velveeta Room, live stand-up comedy. Yeah, anyways. So. And then when people leave, he goes, Velveeta Zane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, parking. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, uh, young Jeff Smith would meet weary travelers on the train and, uh, at the train station and extol the virtues of his mom's business. Okay. Uh, now, according to historians, Jeff, young Jeff learned all that he could for the street hustlers around Rock. Apparently, Round Rock used to be full. Like, that was where the hustle game was. All right. So, you know, he learned their speech and he learned their slate of hand tricks and they had they had mastered to give him the uh, the upper hand in any of all forms of grift. So, uh, now, Jefferson Smith was not unique uh, in being a Southern aristocrat. 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 Yeah, Southern aristocrat. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. Uh, he saw the West as a fresh start in the face of a crumbling post-war Southern economy. Uh, and yeah, this actually was the genesis of many Western outlaws, uh, you know, like mm. the, the Billy the Kids, and sure. of the day, a lot of them came from rich Southern families who just had nothing and they moved west. Yep. Yeah. So uh, now, teenage uh, Jeff Smith drove cattle, and that eventually landed him out west in Abilene, Kansas. Okay. Uh, now it's here that Jeff attended a circus, as you do in Abilene. Sure. And he lost a large sum of money to the circus grifter named Clubfoot Hall. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, Clubfoot yeah. Hall! How do you lose the money? Do we know? Uh, he lost it in the old pea and shell game. Ah. Yeah. Classic. Uh, yeah, where you'd pee on a shell, and if you couldn't pee on a shell. 
<laughs> now, uh, you know, the, the, it's the three-card Monty, essentially, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, now, after realizing he had been duped, Jeff demanded that the con man take him on as an apprentice. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that yeah, That is yeah. the best. That's the best reaction to getting duped. Yeah. I got, Teach me your ways. Yeah, I got bilked out of fucking $20 at the Rabbit Fest in Coppers Cove, Texas one time with uh, the tilted basket, like throwing the ball into the mm-hmm. fucking basket. And the dude would put the backspin on the ball so it'd stay in and my dumb ass would just toss it in and go back out. We were walking through with, uh, with fucking, um, Skateboards because I was a skater kid and we had skateboards. The guy goes, This guy goes, Yo, yo, he's like, he's like an East Coast car. And he's like, Yo, yo, come on over here. I got this. Yo, guys, guys, if you can make it in here, I got a brand new Tony Hawk deck, which makes no fucking sense. Like, <laughs> Not a thing. And I was just like, Man, but we were like, What? He's like, Dude, it's so easy. He showed us and like, I took the 20 out and he broke the 20 and rightfully assumed that that was all the money I had. Yeah. And kept saying more and more about the skateboard and talking to me to do it again until I had all 20, I had all 20 of my dollars and he immediately. He stopped talking to me and walked away from of the counter. Yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, bad times. Um, so, did he take you on as an apprentice? That's no, no, I begged and begged of him. And he just, <laughs> yeah, he made me find him drugs and left town. Ah, <laughs> So uh, Hall agreed, and uh, he taught Jeff the ways, and it was with this skill that Jeff worked as a circus grifter until 1877, uh, when he got the news that Leadville, Colorado, was in the midst of a silver boom. Ooh, okay. So I was in Colorado recently, and this yeah. is where I heard I, I looked up Colorado, you know, con artists, and this guy was essentially known as the king of Lodo, like lower downtown in in, in uh, Denver. Okay. And he that was where he, where he ran it, and that was the original focus of this was his time in Lodo, mm-hmm. and then I found out about. His whole other aspect to his life oh, wow. that we're gonna okay. get into. Yeah. So this guy really lived a life. Yeah, yeah, he oh much of a life, yeah. So when he was 18, uh Jeff Smith arrived in Leadville and he was still running his dried pea and walnut shell hustle. Sure. Uh by 1879, Leadville had settled into its own as a bustling city in the newly forged American West. Uh within a few years, pretty much everybody had already been conned. So you know he conned everybody he could. Uh, That's kind of I feel like how a, a- city starts if Deadwood had taught me anything basically you con everybody so everybody gets built and everybody gives up on conning because everyone's smart and then it just becomes an actual civilization yeah 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 that's pretty much it yeah this guy's actually he he is portrayed in Deadwood okay yeah I don't know enough about Deadwood to tell you which which guy which right actor but I've, I just see I haven't seen it in a long time but yeah. like this sounds very Deadwood to me yeah the yeah. idea of like the a lot of the sort of capitalist promise of a silver or gold rush is not in the silver or gold, but in scamming all of the hopeful people. Yeah, I'm going to get the silver and gold. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, those are the people who are most likely to be duped because they're the people who like, take these pie in the sky, like, I'm gonna strike it rich finding gold. So it's yeah. like, of course you're gonna take the chance on the fucking tilting basket game. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, you've yeah. decided your whole life is. Yeah, yeah, statistically you're dealing with just risk takers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. So yeah, Leadville got sucked dry. So Jeff and the old clubfoot guy, they decided to part ways. Uh, that guy went back east, and uh, Jeff Smith headed south towards Denver. Okay. Now, uh, Jeff Smith is 20 years old, and he arrived in Denver, and he found his home in the lower downtown region of Denver, to known today as Lodo. Mm-hmm. And uh, now at the time, Lodo was full of pimps, players, thieves, and scoundrels. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just you know, just doing it big. Uh, the police turned a blind eye to crime in Denver. Sure. Uh, yeah, and like as they're doing now with a devilish marijuana weed. Uh, so his early arrests in Denver were less for trickery and more for just beating the shit out of people, as he did pretty often in those yeah. days. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, like like three or four arrests for assault in that town. Uh, but he really started to establish his brand, and he was first busted for selling soap without a license. 
Selling soap, soap without, without a, a license. license. Yeah. Okay. So the arresting officer, uh, unsure of what to put for Jeff's first name, uh, he just used the charge to inspire the nickname, and so Jeff Soapy Smith Soapy was born. Smith. Yeah, Soapy Smith. Now, here's the thing. Soapy wasn't just selling soap. Okay. Yeah, there was a little more going on there. What he was doing was he was operating what's known as the Soap Con. Okay. Now, the Soap Con is a rigged lottery designed to circumvent gambling laws. So, at this time, soap went for about 10 cents a bar. Uh, Soapy would sell bars of soap for $1. But when the crowd gathered to watch his pitch, what he would do is he would wrap each bar in tissue paper. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then, he would put in a select few of these bars. He would put a 10 20 50 or $100 bill okay. in the bar. And he would stand there with this big yeah. metal bowl. And he would just whip it around like, like a wok, like in the O. Uh, just... In, in, in the kitchen put my wrist to work you know just, just <laughs> doing it yeah. big yeah and I mean this is basically the shell game again exactly except yeah. that you have a lot more shells and, yeah yeah you know and so people would come they would watch it and they would say okay like I saw where he put that in there I've been watching it the right. whole time so it's you're pretending to sell soap but you're really running a lottery yes exactly yeah. so uh, so throughout the demonstration uh, he would have pre-planted shells in the crowd and uh, they would win you know oh, I want the hundred I want the twenty and so people would keep putting money in and How they win do you know they would because you get the bar of soap out that has the hundred dollars in it right but it was plants in the crowd and jeff would use like but how would the plant know now it says he used slate of hand so i can okay. imagine like there was something that like there was an identifier sure. they do to look for or maybe he had the soap palmed when he was shaking right. the ball yeah he would like they would see him open his palm and it would slide in they'd Got watch it. from there yeah but they would be the ones to get it and they would win and so that would get people would just keep right throwing in more money uh, so you know this this happened, and he was uh, eventually he was making like like literally no lie, it said thousands of dollars a day, which is insane to think about yeah. in that day. That's, yeah. that's that's a lot of money now, right? If a bar of soap costs ten cents and you're making thousands of dollars a day, yeah, you're doing. I mean, yeah, a thousand a couple thousand dollars a day right now would be fucking. Yeah, you'd already be like, a, I'd yeah. be richer than anybody I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Soapy would set up shop on 17th Street, wrapping his bars in bright blue paper. And this was the golden age of the orator, and Soapy was among the best in the world. Sure, yeah. And this is a, a, a quote, uh, an essential, like, uh, 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 his rundown, essentially. Do you, I just want to say, do you ever feel like when you think, read these stories, like, this is probably what we all would have been doing back in the day. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, like, what else would we, like, is, we... Us charismatic public speakers yeah, yeah, command yeah, a crowd? Yeah. Like, what the fuck you else You just we had do? to be full of shit. Like, because yeah. there was no legitimate way to practice your craft. Right. It was either, like, politics or magic or selling snake oil. Yeah. yeah that was all you could do. Yeah, or, like, preach. Preach, and yeah. All which, those it, people are full of shit, yeah. so... Yeah. It was all just hustles, man. So, uh, this was, this was uh, his speech. <clears throat> Gentlemen, the question I put to you is as such. How are you fixed for soap? Though my message is one of soap, today my message is one of hope. Today I bring a new soap. Here is the finest cleansing product ever brought forth by man's scientific ingenuity. Many months of pain and experimentation in my own laboratories has produced this fine elixir. <laughs> Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. I it really, is, I, you took me there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I love this the slide. Today my message is not one of soap. Today my message is one of hope. Beautiful. <laughs> God bless him. Incredible. Yeah, the finest cleansing product ever brought forth by man's scientific ingenuity. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, like Just, fucking 
the he could have been an author. He could have been a yeah. poet. Yeah, like, ex- exactly. That is a beautiful way to describe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Smith would open his tripe and keister. That is a display display pace on a, on a tripod. Okay. And then he would just pile the side of the soap cakes on top and begin expounding their wonders. Crowd would form up, uh, and then you know he would just do his whole his Start whole doing little the cash thing. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- this he kept this up, and uh, you know this performance had the desired effect and enticed the sale of more packages. More often than not, victims bought several bars before the sale was completed. Midway through the sale, Smith would announce that the hundred dollar bill yet remained in the pile and purchase, and then he would start to auction off the remaining bars of soap. Okay. And that was the I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. All right, so I tell you what, you get this one for five dollars. That one for that. People were like, oh, it has to be there. It's like let's make a deal. Yeah. Just with suitcases, and instead of suitcases, it's soap. Yep. So he kept this up for a while, and then he. Eventually, he got arrested. Uh, now, he makes his way to Skagway, Alaska, but he has a stop-off in between there, which is just, is, if we don't mention it, we're, we're fucking up. Uh, Soapy knew that the Mexican-American War was close to popping off, or there was a conflict yeah. between Mexico and Mexico-America about Texas. Tension. Yeah, and that the uh, a general in Mexico needed an army. Okay. Soapy Smith dubbed himself Colonel Jefferson Smith. Hell yeah. And he went down to Mexico and he told the, the colonel, the, the, this general, that he would get him uh, 500 American troops ready and trained or 5,000, something to that effect. And all he needed was 10,000 up front uh, to go and recruit everybody. Yep. And the guy, he, he they said he would give him the money. The, the, he basically, he had to go, uh, they didn't give it to him right then and there. They say the guy probably was smart enough and said he didn't have it on hand. Yeah. And so Jefferson uh said well, he's like well I tell you what we will be in contact and then he left and then word got out like basically they figured out what was going on they were actually told the American government and the American government started looking for this dude okay but he almost duped Mexico yeah. into giving him ten thousand dollars because he said he was an American military officer nice pretty fucking cool that is pretty fucking cool so this is the part that I found out where I was like oh man this is gonna be the meat of the story here. okay uh, Soby Smith, uh, he knew about you know the, the gold rush that was going yeah. on. The gold rush was going on in California as well as Alaska. Yeah. And so he, in, in Alaska, there was a town that was burgeoning that was essentially the last gateway into the Yukon, where people would go and they would, uh, you know, just they would. You know, paying for you know, look for gold, but trying yeah. to get their fortune. So it's like the base camp. It's yeah, exactly. Like yes. The last point of civilization before you go out with your sled dogs. And- yeah, and that was it was Skagway, Alaska. And so the soapy knew that this was like it had a huge transient population. Yep. People were always on the go. Uh, you know, solitary and, men with disposable income. Exactly, and like you know, it's way so far isolated that word's not going to get back. Uh, you know, yeah. About things, it was easy. He saw the uh, the potential in yeah. a town like Skagway. So. It's very Deadwoody again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Sophie Smith and his gang came to Skagway, Alaska, in the summer of 1897. Uh, as it is today, Skagway was known as the gateway to the Klondike. And uh, at the time, Alaska was largely unsettled by Americans, and the city was the last stop for prospectors heading into the untamed wilderness of Alaska and northwestern mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, located off the shore of the Taya Inlet, which runs from North Pacific, uh, runs from the North Pacific Ocean deep inland, the town boasted a bustling business district with, must, with a mud-soaked main road called Broadway running through the center of it. 
the population of Skagway at this time was fairly large given its location. It numbered at about 3,600 residents. Yeah, that's, that's like a, decent size. Yeah, that's actually three times larger than the 900 people who live there today. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it's, a boom town. Yeah, yeah, it was a boom town, exactly. Uh, it was the last stop before the Klondike mining country, meant that because of that, that meant that thousands of transient workers were constantly making their way through the town. Many staying for a few days before leaving and never returning again, save for more than a few days on the way back, mm-hmm. sometimes up to a year later. Yep. So, Soapy saw the value of a large population making their way through the town, never stopping long enough to lay down roots. Con men such as Soapy and his gang usually live a similarly transient lifestyle, and uh, in order to avoid getting spotted, sometimes they uh, to avoid getting spotted by someone they previously ripped off, they always have to hit the road and yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. So in Skagway, Soapy realized that he and his gang no longer had to stay one step ahead of the law and their growing list of victims. Uh, if there was no law, the victims lost their money and kept it moving. They had, right. There was no need. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so. there's no, you know, jurisdiction. This is at the beginning of sort of American civilization uh, as interpreted by uh, white Europeans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... So, Sophie and his gang get there. I don't know how many people he went there with, but he went there with a number. And uh, they eventually uh, started hanging out in the Broadway district. Uh, and they spent, started spending a lot of time in a place called Clancy's Saloon. Uh, it was a Broadway bar owned and operated by a man named, oddly enough, Clancy. Okay. So, Soapy found a willing partner in Clancy. Soapy uh, and Clancy. Yeah, Soapy and Clancy. Just uh, just two folksy names. <laughs> uh, within a few weeks, Clancy's Saloon soon became the headquarters for Soapy's gang, which was now at this point, within just within a few weeks, already running the town's prostitution game. So the prostitute was all done under Soapy (laughs) and his men. Uh, Which that seems to me like in a mining town. That's that's the the big money. When I was writing this, I started thinking about like, like now, like if I knew somebody who like regularly like bought prostitutes, I would just be like, what? Hey, weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I imagine back then it was like, well, that's all you're going to get in that town. Like you're not going to meet a single unspoken for woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, going off for maybe a year yeah to go mine with a bunch of dudes like yeah what i mean it it seems like it was it's sad because it's like those women were probably even more exploited than they are now yeah but like there's there's barely regulation or safety now now, but like it was a much less stigmatized thing to do i think yeah yeah i think yeah like it was it there was the there was because like, now there's a stigma because you don't have to deal with it all the time. Like rarely do I uh, encounter uh, sex workers or people who utilize sex workers, or at least publicly. There's not like a house well, where you can like, go. Yeah, well, it's also like you're not like people aren't in that position anymore where it's like I am not going to be able to fuck for like years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's no women around. Yeah. Or like no men. Like that doesn't really happen. So so back yeah back then as conservative as it was, it was still way more present. So they had to like kind of like turn a blind eye or learn to accept it. Like yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I feel like now it's like, it, it's definitely not, I definitely know sex workers and like, it, that, I feel like it is, at least in the circles I run in, much more acceptable to be open about being a sex worker than it is to be open about having paid for the services of sex workers. Yeah, that's, like, very, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's passed in some way in opposite directions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true everywhere, and there's still lots of stigma about being a sex worker, but, like, for people in our sort of milieu and our age, yeah, yeah, you definitely yeah. would not just be like, yeah, sometimes I buy prostitutes. Like, that's yeah, not... Yeah, I, I would, yeah, but back then, it was it was that... That's, that's what happened. Yeah. Of, like, and there was, like, societal pressures around, like, the act of, like... 
like 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 being with a woman and if you if you met a girl and you wanted to you know hook up with her like you had to marry her like yeah that's exactly that's why you see like those old Hollywood people they like had the eight husbands and shit it was because they wanted to have sex with a dude they, they had, had to, to marry fucking him. marry him. yeah yeah and then they marry him and two or three months later it's like oh, I'm tired of having sex with him yeah and now I'm just fucking hanging out with Clark Gable <laughs> <laughs> exactly which is a drag for being honest real bummer. But if you're so, fucking him, great at fucking him. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah, want to hang yeah, out with him. But anyway, so they're yeah. running the prostitutes. They're running the prostitutes game. Soapy and his men, they use their connections to bring in women from all over the continental U.S. And in addition to a few of the locals, Soapy eventually ran several brothels throughout the town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Soapy was no slouch. He got to work applying his usual tactics to great success. Almost overnight, he began running the time-honored and ancient protection racket. Uh, protection racket, of course, being Soapy's gang would wander into a business and remark about, oh, what a place it was and how it'd be a shame if something were to happen to it and before long so Skagway Alaska belonged to Soapy Smith yeah so he like the way that works is like all the businesses then pay him to not fuck up their business yeah exactly yeah exactly. so he he has a, a, a finger in every pocket yeah yeah and Soapy's gang at this point swelled to about 200 men wow. that's a town of 3600 that's 200. an army yeah it's an army that we, we'll, we'll get into that oh shit yeah. okay yeah. so good word yeah so uh, <laughs> Uh, it soon became the largest employer in town. Yeah. Uh, the, in my hometown, the largest employer was a bill collection agency called GC Services. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, similar thing, yeah, honestly. Yeah, exactly. If you're talking yeah. about extortion, yeah. like yeah. that's that's what both of those businesses are, and they're yeah. very lucrative. Yeah, I worked there. Everybody in Coppers Cove, Texas, will at one point work at GC collection. Services, yeah. and if you don't work there already, you probably do, and you're late. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, now the merchant class uh, in Skagway responded to the gang the same way they would have responded to any large industry in the area. They rose up to support it. You know, this, yeah. like, like again, to, to my hometown is based around a military base, and that's what yeah. everything is for. So, by 1898, nearly every saloon and storefront on Broadway had two to three of Soapy's goons standing by ready to bilk miners and transient workers passing through town. Uh, Soapy and his boys had moved out of Clancy's and opened up Jeff Smith's Parlor Bar. Mm, I go there. It just sounds like they got a oh man I'm gonna check a beer at Jeff Smith's absolutely. with a mud floor there is absolutely fucking sawdust and peanut shells on the floor that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love it yeah and so uh and so, yeah, now whether it was gambling or grift or shredded prostitution, Soapy had already thought of a way to get men's money out of their pockets and into his. Uh, Soapy employed his namesake scam in the street, running soap lotteries on every corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skagway was literally built to service the criminal element. Yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 it's, it's uh, like, you, you go back, like, into this, like, now, I'll put a picture up of, of Soapy. It's just like where he was at. Like he he owned this town. He just walked around doing whatever he yeah. wanted, running a gambling saloon. Like there he was, was the mayor, the commander in chief, and the head of the chamber of commerce. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was everything. And so now it was not uncommon for members of Soapy's gang to hang out in bars and tell travelers about the wonderful telegraph service in town. Right? Oh, yeah. great! So letters could take months, but a telegraph would get word back home in minutes, and it would give the worried miners peace of mind of letting them know their families were okay, or letting them their families know they were okay before. Yeah. Before they headed deep into the Klondike. Yeah. Uh, the service wasn't cheap. It was five dollars to send the message. Okay. Uh, the men would pay the fee usually, and usually be out of town the same day. It's like literally the last thing. Like, hey, you know, uh, you know, to my betrothed, you know, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some Ken Burns. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with the little fucking violin going yes. in the background. <laughs> uh, if you wanted the violin, it was fifty cents extra. But, <laughs> so. 
Uh, uh, now, yeah, they're always be out of town the same day because as I saw somebody put it, they said, Stan still costs money. <laughs> like, so <laughs> they're always on the move. So it wasn't uncommon that after sending the, the, the word home via telegraph, they would leave before they had a chance to talk to uh, one of the uninitiated locals who would tell them that Skagway didn't have telegraph wires. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! These poor men oh my spilling God. their guts out at these telegraph booths, and, just and like, some guys like, oh, okay, all right, just, yeah, 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 line break. Uh, he just writes down the message, and then as soon as the guy leaves, just throws it in a trash trash can, overflowing. Yeah, yeah, messages. he just lights it on fire. Yeah. Now sometimes the mark would hang out for a few days after his message was sent. I air quoted, guys. Uh, and now what would happen if you stuck around too long? What a soapy men would come and find you and say you got a response <gasps> and just make up a like yeah thumbs up good yeah. job now they would they would say now we got your reply uh it's a three dollar processing fee to get the reply of course <laughs> oh my god that's yeah. cool so the mark would hightail it to the telegraph station where if the situation allowed it he was read a generic reply from his family uh we are doing very good yeah <laughs> We enjoy the weather. <laughs> yeah, just th- that was that. Now, the correspondence was deemed too complex to believably uh, falsify. The telegraph operator would get the guy back, and he would start doing the reading, and then he would say, uh, he would get interrupted and say, what? Oh, no, I've gotten a very urgent telegraph that I need to be at a telegraph station across town. <laughs> Wait right here, and I'll be right back in a second. And you would leave. Some of the boys hanging out in the corner would walk over and be like, hey, you play cards? Oh, my God. <laughs> and they would get you drunk and sit there and play cards with you and get all your fucking money. Then they'd be like, hey, it's closing time. Come back tomorrow. And then the person wouldn't fucking be there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting them coming and going. Coming and, and all, going. All yeah. the ways. All yeah. the directions. Oh, man. God damn. I, uh... My very lovely uh, May, uh, my grandmother, uh, her husband, a uh, wonderful guy named Art, uh, buys a, uh, rightfully so, worked a, worked a long, hard career and trades in his luxury car every year for another model, whether it be a Lincoln, a Navigator, or something like sure. that. Uh, and one time I needed to buy a car in Connecticut, and he took me in, and uh, Art, with his like main French-Canadian accent, he'd be like, all right, Junior, we're going to go in there, we're going to walk in. They, they tell you, I go in there, and the head start to turn. Okay, Junior, <laughs> the head's turn when I walk in there. Like, okay. So we walk in. I was working sales at the time, and the heads turned, and I understood the head turn. I was like, "Oh, these yep. dudes are eating this guy alive!" Yeah. And we showed up. We go in the back. I only had like a couple grand to buy a vehicle, and I had like four thousand, I think, and it came out to thirty six hundred, and it was three thousand plus tax with the six hundred. Yeah. And Art goes uh, on the way back from the used car lot to the main office. Art goes, "This is right here, Junior. This is right here. We don't pay that. We don't pay the six hundred. That's not what Art pays." <laughs> and we go. We sit down, and uh, I think he goes, "Hey, uh, hey, Mike." Or whatever. I'm about making that six hundred dollars go away. He goes, I can't do that art. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Classic wheeling and dealing art. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Soaked. Yeah, just yeah. Like uh, art, wonderful man. Uh, we we definitely have a bit of fun as expense. When I got back to the family, I was like, yo, art gets hosed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Art, if you figure out how podcasts work, I apologize. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, so then, uh, yeah, they'd ask for a drink, and they'd play, like, Bill, come on a game of cards, and yep. that was that. Was that. So, when asked how he reasoned cheating literally everyone who passed through the town of Skagway, Soapy was quoted as saying, 
It's infinitely better that a man who would try to beat a man at his own game should lose his money here in Skagway <laughs> than should he try to get into the inhospitable Arctic where the idiot would lose it anyway and there become a burden on the community. <laughs> <laughs> a burden on the community. Yeah. And this way, they're really helping the community out. Yeah. Specifically, one particular community member, myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he basically said if, if they go out there and they're just in the Arctic, you know, like, like they're gonna up there. They're gonna they're gonna uh, uh, bankrupt some mining camp because they'll yeah. be destitute. Yeah. So, uh, simply that's put, beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful justification. Uh, simply put, Skagway was not a good place to be if you weren't a local. Uh, rumors of out of control grift began to spread, and men would warn others to avoid the town. Uh, its lack of draw and, and uh, its lack of law and order became its most well known trait, and business began to slow down. Mm. Yeah, because you know you can only keep it up for so long. Right. Where it's eventually going to get out. Yeah. So merchants and town folks who had turned a blind eye to the corruption when it suited their needs were now less willing to stand by while Soapy fleeced the town. So, in response to the call for law and order, Soapy listened. He said, I can understand. You guys want law and order in this town. Uh, and he did the very honorable, noble thing of appointing his good friend as the deputy U.S. Marshal in town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deadwood. So, this is Deadwood. Yeah, yeah. This appointment had absolutely zero official weight, and it was neither presided over nor recognized by anyone aside right. from Soapy. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was it. And But the local residents of Skagway said, you know what? Good enough. And everything went back to business. Yeah. Uh, the war Give us at least the veneer of, uh, of civility and exactly. we'll be okay. Yeah. Hmm, seem familiar? Yeah, 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 yeah right? <laughs> oh, man. Do uh, all the same horrible stuff, but be more polite. Be more polite about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, be, be, we'll call it the, the, the Democratic uh, the, the Party. <laughs> oh, no, no. Now, I love on the, the, the dollop when they when the, the parallels between now and then yeah. start to happen. And <laughs> Gareth just goes, oh, Dave. <laughs> <What's that>? Yeah. <laughs> he gets mad. You tricked me again into a parallel. Terrible about our current situation. God damn it! So uh, now I, I, I think that they have done this one. I, I oh man, I hope it not. sounds familiar. Or if they, if they have. I'm sure. Go no, it's into fine. It. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I this is a great story. We are focusing on a very specific part of it, but yeah. they, if they if guys dollop, if you haven't done it, you really should. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah. Follow our lead for once. Come yeah. On. Uh, so. The, uh, the warm public sentiment did begin to wear out. Uh, now, at one point, what had happened is a, uh, a gold prospector named Andy McGrath and an unidentified woman went to get a drink at the Klondike Saloon. Now, like almost all saloons in Skagway, the Klondike was a hotbed for soapy thugs to run their scams. Um, now, McGrath reported that his liquor had been doped and that he had been robbed of $140. Uh, this accusation provoked a fight between McGrath and a bartender named Faye. Now, Faye was in Soapy's gang. Okay. And I like her. Yeah. Well, Faye, well, Faye, Faye? Faye's a dude. Oh, God Faye's damn it. A, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of, outside of the uh, the sex workers in this story, there's not a lot of prominent women. <laughs> not a lot of ladies, yeah. Uh, now, Faye, assisted by several members of Soapy's gang, um, he, he fled, and, uh, I'm sorry, now, yeah, uh, they got into a fight, Faye was backed up by members of Soapy's gang. McGrath, the guy who uh, who said his liquor had been doped, he'd been robbed. He fled the saloon in an attempt to find a gun. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get a gun and I'll so be back. He's, he's doped, so he's on drugs. Yeah, looking the, for a gun. Yes, looking for a gun. Good, good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> now his plan was to go back in and uh, make some bodies turn cold. Sure. <laughs> That's what he was gonna do. Uh, the first person he met though was a U.S. marshal who was passing through town named Rowan. Now Rowan agreed to go back to the saloon and act as a peacemaker. 
So when the two men entered, McGrath struck Faye immediately. So the guy goes, come with me. He's in here. Gets in there and then just breaks off and hits the guy. Yep. Uh, so like now Faye draws his revolver and shoots McGrath in the groin. Okay. Uh, now Rowan, went to, this is the U.S. Marshal, goes to pull yep. his revolver, is also shot dead by Faye. Whoops. So yeah, so, yeah, so now Faye has killed a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A fake cop, but a cop on the left. Well, no, this was a real U.S. Marshal. This oh, okay. was a U.S. Marshal that was passing through town. Sorry, forgive yep, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he okay. was... He was, this was an actual law enforcement officer. Okay. So, Faye knew that no gang, that gang or no gang, the citizens of Skagway were not going to grant a fair trial to a man who shot an actual U.S. Marshal yeah. in front of an entire bar full of people. Okay, yeah. So, Faye fled to the home of an influential merchant who agreed to hide him until he was guaranteed a free trial. Okay. So Soapy himself. I don't know how you. We promise. Like, yeah, what yeah, you, yeah. Well, what they what they end up doing is they end up getting him moved. Okay. The trial moved because they say it's not going to be fair and scaggy. Right. So Soapy himself declared that if any man laid a finger on Faye before his fair trial, he would meet deadly force on behalf of the gang. Yeah. Uh, the show of force worked, and Faye was allowed to be transferred to Sitka, Alaska. Okay. Uh, to stand trial, where he would be, he was actually acquitted on grounds of self defense. Okay. So you know he got out of that, but the fallout of this incident, of this incident among the citizens of Skagway uh, it caused them to really then they were like really anti-soapy at this point right uh, like that yeah. is for them beyond the pale and I'm sure the US Marshals got wind of what was going yeah, on yeah yeah so. yeah things things were, were, starting, were starting to go poorly so what the citizens of Skagway did was they formed an alliance to take on the soapy gang uh, it was comprised of various landowning men merchants and laborers they called themselves the 101 pretty okay. cool name good, good name yeah now the 101 met that day and they issued the following proclamation and had a printed in the paper entitled warning <laughs> with an exclamation point which reads as follows a word to the wise should be sufficient all confidence men bunko men and sure thing men bunko is another scam it's yeah. like a, a game all confidence bunko and sure thing men and all other objectionable characters are notified to leave Skagway and the area of the White Pass Road immediately and to remain away failure to comply with this warning will be followed by prompt actions mm -hmm. signed the 101 hell yeah yeah they weren't fucking around so Soapy and his gang of nearly 200 men rallied that evening they dubbed themselves the commission also a cool fucking, fucking name great name <laughs> this sounds like a wrestling like a tag team event yeah. like the 101 versus the commission the two, the two factions <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so they released a response which <laughs> they and they met in the middle of town and decided to have a no ring barbed wire yeah, yeah, death yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they it really issued their own response and they published it in the next day in the paper Fuck back yeah. at them yeah and it was entitled Answer to Warning. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hell yeah. so they're shooting promos at this point. Yeah, they fucking are. They absolutely are. <laughs> this is what they said. They said, uh, the body of men styling themselves as the 101 are hereby notified that any overt act committed by them will promptly be met by the law-abiding citizens of Skagway. Because <laughs> that's all we are. You know, we're yeah. just... <laughs> We've been criticized here. I, yeah, yeah. It's, I feel like it's the thing that they've fallen into the same trap that, like, uh, alt-right dudes fall into. Yeah, Where yeah, it's yeah. like, where you're like, Nazis get fucked. And they're like, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Why would you say that? Yeah. First of all, we're not Nazis. And it's like, how do you know I'm fucking talking to you i just yeah, said yeah, Nazi. Talk, yeah what do you care yeah, yeah, yeah so it's like uh i feel very called out with this yeah. bunko man and confidence yeah, yeah. we're just law abiding citizens okay then why are, what does this yeah, have to yeah, do with you yeah, i was just saying <laughs> <laughs> just, i just felt the need to say it yeah. exactly 
So they said, uh, yeah, and uh, they said, yeah, but, but the law-abiding citizens of Skagway. Sure. And each member in his property will be held responsible for any unlawful action on his part. And, uh, and the law order society consisting of 317 citizens. So that's the, the, the commission was 317. Okay, watch out. Yeah. 101 plus 317. Yeah, yeah. Uh, consisting of 317 citizens will see that justice is dealt to its fullest extent as no blackmailers or vigilantes will be tolerated. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I love when the criminals don't tolerate vigilantes. No, yeah. No, you have to be an organized criminal. That's... Yeah, yeah. vigilantes don't work in organized crime. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So they signed the committee. Now, the standoff very well could have bubbled over to a small-scale war. Yeah. Uh, but what the 101 did was the 101 sent a plea to the U.S. government for mm-hmm. backup. Snitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to run and go fucking... Yeah, they had to go you know, run and tell the laws. Uh, within a week, 300 U.S. troops from military unit in Seattle arrived in Skagway and made the declaration that all confidence men leave town by one o'clock the following afternoon. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's like, well, that works for me. I'm not a confidence man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a legitimate business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, am yeah, aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, not wanting to press his luck with the U.S. military, Soapy and his groups headed for the hills and set up camp in the areas surrounding Skagway. So they're just kind of out living in the woods at this point. Yeah. So, the shaky standoff remained in place for a short time, and it probably would have led to like armed conflict or at least the arrest of the yeah. commission and Soapy and his boys. However, uh, uh, one fateful event changed the tides. On February 15th, 1898, the USS Maine was sunk. Ah. Remember the Cuba, Maine to hell with Spain? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was sunk in Cuba, and within a week, the 300 U.S. troops were called back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... With the military's absence, Soapy and his boys just rolled back into town. town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what's up? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, where, where's the cops now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they just rolled right back Soapy's into town. Soapy's like, I sunk the main motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an inside job, bitch. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, you know, the jet fuel can't melt soap. And I, I, it's true. Yeah, that's it's 100% true. <laughs> So, now, uh, with the military's absence, though, Soapy saw another void that he could fill and then profit from. Uh, Soapy wrote a letter to President William McKinley informing him that his militarized faction, a.k.a. his fucking gang, yeah, yeah, his gang gang, uh, were well-trained and would make a perfect replacement for the 300 troops who had just left town. Mm. Yeah. uh, Saying that they should get a military ordination to be the official military president. Now he's... Now he's... Is doing the ultimate scam, which is being a military contractor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a time-honored scam yeah, that yeah, continues yeah. to this day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it, never a bad time for those guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now McKinley got the letter. He never responded to Soapy. However, left him on red. Yeah. <laughs> but when you when you corresponded with the president back then, what you would get was an official notice of the receiving yes. of the correspondence. So after a few months or however like long a letter took to go from DC to Skagway, I imagine yeah. four and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he got a letter back from the president's secretary. Yeah. The president's secretary. Soapy received this letter and it said, hey, we received your correspondence. The president will overlook it you know, or we'll look at it. You know, whatever. It's here. Yeah. We got it. We got it. We'll let you know. Yeah. 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 Signed the president's secretary. 
Soapy got that letter and was able to convince the more naive and illiterate among him yeah. that it was from, in fact, from the Secretary of War, yep. Tom Lager, stating that he had been granted a military commission to serve right. as the official military presence in Skagway. Sure. Everyone believed him, or oh enough people God. believed him. He's a fucking charmer, this yeah, guy. Yeah, enough that he held a grand parade. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and marched down Broadway on horseback, followed by a band of men waving American flags. That's beautiful. He knew he knew that a parade would boost morale and yeah, so would be yeah. on board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now this this is uh, that that's that I would say is the high point yeah. for Soapy Smith. And, Absolutely, and things things don't hold together too long. No, once you declared yourself the fake military leader, of the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff's gonna yeah, happen. You're gonna have a good week. Like it's gonna be a real yeah. good week. You know? a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe top five weeks in your life. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, and then it just it all starts to to come out to come undone. Uh, so it's May twenty eighth, eighteen ninety eight. This is. A little over a year after he got in Skagway. So all this has happened within the yeah. course of a year. And he's like still pretty young at this point, right? Or has he lived in Denver for a while? He was in Denver for a while. Okay. Soapy at this point is like in his 40s or okay. 50s around there. Sure. So on May 28th, 1898, a prostitute named Ella D. Williams was found viciously murdered in her bed. The motive was likely robbery. Uh, Soapy's appointed marshal took charge of the investigation, all but guaranteeing that nothing would be done about it. Uh, now... There was a guy named Ed Long. Uh, Ed Long, he was an accountant from Tacoma uh, who had hit it big in the Klondike and was returning home back through Skagway. Got it. With a ton of money. Yeah. So he goes through and he was approached by a member of Soapy's gang on the trail leading to Skagway. Uh, The man, there was another scam they would do. Or basically the man talked to him. He found here, he saw that he was loaded. Right. Back to the mine. He told him, I'm striking rich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he says, uh, oh, hey, you know, we're stuck out here for a few more weeks. Could you do me a favor if you're heading to the Skagway. Could you take this letter and could you go to the uh, Jeff Smith's Parlor Bar and deliver it to a man named uh, Y.M. Hopkins? Okay. And uh, so Ed was like, yeah, 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 man, I got you, I got you. I love this old, old-timey old shit where you go to a bar to do, deliver a letter. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah, I was, I was over in Sidebar and somebody walked in and was like, I got a correspondence for Bats and Royce. I had to climb over the back fence and run away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no good. It's bad shit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, back in the day, that was where your notary was. Yeah, where yeah, post yeah. Office was. That's where you'd vote. Like, yeah, that was yeah. it. Well, he's like, he had to go find this guy in a town. Where are you going to find him? I'm going to find him at the bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> so, the contents of the letter, inconsequential. What was happening here was that the carrying of the letter and the delivering of it to Y.M. Hopkins identified that Egg Long, Long was a mark. Had some fucking money. And had some fucking yeah, money on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, Smart. Yeah, exactly. So they sent him into town. Uh, upon arriving in Skagway and delivering the letter Y.M. Hopkins to Y.M. Hopkins at Jeff Smith's parlor bar, Long was invited to the bar for a drink as a way of saying thanks for delivering the letter. Come on and have a drink with us, you know? So it didn't take long before Hank was surrounded by Hopkins men and told he couldn't leave. Hopkins was eventually able to make his make an escape uh, by hook or by crook. I don't know how the fuck he did it, but he made he made it happen, and he was able to get to the waterfront. Now, uh, Long's escape allowed him to get word to the outside world about the continued level of lawlessness that yeah. was present in Skagway. Yeah. So until now, Soapy owned not only the merchants, the military, and the law, but he also owned both newspapers uh-huh. in town. Of so, course, yeah. yeah, you can't have dissenting media. Yeah, no, no. So not only and they were. Can't, they are, 
the one-on-one's not getting anything else in the newspaper. No, 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 they're not yet. So not a word of Skagway's true nature ever really made it past Skagway in any official capacity other than yeah. word of mouth. There was never reports or anything like that because right. the entire like journalistic presence there was just like, Soapy, you mean the number one man in town? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Our, our glorious benefactor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at this point now this guy gets out of there with a story crazy enough yeah you know like like i got you know they, they're they're organized i got stopped miles outside of town handed a letter and that marked me and they almost fucking robbed me and killed me yeah so that so that gets out well the next day uh a successful prospector named jd stewart also returned from the klondike with nearly three thousand dollars worth of gold okay uh he was also enticed to catch a drink at jeff smith's parlor bar sure. by none other than the town's reverend <laughs> a man, oh, nice. yeah a man named bowers so over a few drinks reverend bowers promised jd stewart that he could get him a good exchange rate on his gold and said yeah yeah come on i'll take you i'll, I'll show you where to go do it the two exit through the back of the bar and were accosted and mugged and robbed of the gold stewart immediately went to the, uh, the marshal taylor that was the puppet marshal installed by soapy yeah uh, after waiting hours to give his report he just said they were like yeah yeah we'll get to you and he just yeah. sat there Ugh. yeah sat there and so he correctly assumed taylor was in soapy's pocket so stewart then took the street telling anyone that would listen that he had been robbed by the Smith gang and ignored by corrupt law enforcement. The tale made it to the ears of several prominent citizens who had been members of the 101 mm -hmm. uh, that was formed to combat Sopia. And so a posse was formed and Sopia was approached and the gold was demanded to be returned. Okay. Uh, Sopia stalled for time. He promised to return the gold and the newspaper editor uh, who was in Sopia's employ eventually turned on him as well. Essentially the editor wrote an article that detailed Sopia's effort to ensure favor coverage if he promised if he promised to return the gold Got it. Uh, he said that he would promise he would return the gold and that he would use his men to do good and aid returning to okay. returning contact like sure I'll be yeah. good now I promise yeah, yeah I'm good now and he you caught me I'm good yeah. now he said this is what he would do as long as no roar was made about it in the papers okay, so he said, yeah. turn the gold the right just don't keep put, my rep don't put it in the papers yet so the promise was not kept of course the gold was not returned and instead uh, now Soapy another thing about Soapy Soapy was uh, very uh, sober dude did not drink. Okay. Was never known to drink. Uh, so the gold was not returned. And so at this point, he knows he's being looked for. Uh, he holds up in his uh, little compound, his mansion, where the fuck it is he lives. And uh, then he started to drink. He just started to drink heavily really? in isolation because okay. he knew the walls were closing at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. He had he's, the gold. Things are, things are going south. Yeah, he had the gold. He didn't return it. Um, There's a posse looking for him. Two people have broken out of the town and like told about people, the yeah, fucking wild house. Yeah. So he just sat there drinking. A reporter tried to get in there and ask him for, for uh, a comment. And uh, they, they asked him. They said... Uh, then they said, "What are you going to do?" And he said, uh, "You know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to comply." And the reporter said, "Well, you know, there's going to be trouble if you don't comply." And Soapy responded, "My God, trouble's what I'm looking for." Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Tell me he goes out in a blaze of glory. Oh, he does. Absolutely. Yeah, so. At this point, local merchants all sided with law enforcement as they had ordered yeah. suit. At this point, no, the guy, Stewart, who got all his gold stolen, yeah. before his gold got stolen, he had ordered a bunch of suits from these tailors, and now the tailors are like, well, if we don't help him, we're not going to get our fucking, get paid for the suits <laughs> anymore. <laughs> How many suits does this guy need? Yeah, I mean, shit. You know, can Have you, you ever can... seen that clip of uh, John Cena talking to his then uh, fiance wife, Nikki Bella, and he's like... I stumbled into an opportunity and she's like, what? And he's like, I, I bought some suits. I had an opportunity to buy some suits. And she's like, John, how many suits did you buy? And he's like, 59. <laughs> <laughs>
It's really good. It's <laughs> a great number. Like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it was 59. It was like a ton of suits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what that made me think of. Just yeah. like how many suits does he need? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so. Um, yeah, so they, they all they 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 were in there and they're on the steward side for the suits. Uh, Soapy, they say, drank all day and all night, and he made his way down to the town square. Along the way, tons of people say they heard him saying things like, "I'm gonna teach those sons of bitches a lesson." While waving his pistol around, God bless. Yeah, uh, his business partner Clancy, the old guy from Clancy's Saloon, Clancy encountered him. Was Clancy's walking with his wife and his son, and said, "You know, Soapy, don't go down there. Just return the gold." Da da da, and he did not and kept going to which Clancy's wife burst into tears maybe they were fucking I don't know I'm not saying they were but they probably were uh, so at this point two lawmen named Frank Reed and Jesse Murphy approached Soapy and uh, Frank Reed you know basically was like hey man I, I'm gonna give my breakdown this is, this is my interpretation of this sure. thing alright Frank Reed hey Soapy man what the fuck Soapy ah <laughs> Jesse Murphy come on you son of a bitch and words were exchanged and then things were rallied up and then at this point uh, Jesse Murphy um, yo I'm sorry Frank Reed tried to shoot Soapy and his gun backfired <gasps> Soapy returned fire and struck Reed in the groin. <laughs> like, I love how people kept getting shot keep, in the dick. People <laughs> keep getting shot in the groin in this story. Got yeah. uh, you know what I think it is? It's because you aim center mass and then you're a little drunk until your wrist limps a yep, little bit. Yep, <laughs> Next thing you know, you're shooting right. people's dicks off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was then hit with Jesse as soon as he, or as soon as uh, Soapy shot, though, uh, between Jesse Murphy and Frank Reed. Yeah, hail uh, gunfire. They, yeah, they shot three three shots between the two of them, and uh, and then Jesse fell to their Murphy. He fell to the ground. Uh, I'm sorry. Soapy fell to the ground. ground. Jesse walked up, put a bullet directly in Soapy's face. R.I.P. Soapy. R.I.P. Soapy. Middle of town shootout. Yeah, middle of town. Good shit. Yeah. Uh, At this point, it was just all the natural things you would expect to happen. Uh, A lot of the gang... Some of the gang was arrested. A lot of the gang slipped off into the wilderness. A lot of the gang took advantage of just the the time and... The power vacuum. Yeah, they got the fuck out of there and they they left. And... uh, and that was where it Soapy went down to be uh, no, memorialized in history as the Gold Rush Goodfella. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, I feel like this one, a little bit worth yeah, it. A little bit worth it. Kind of dope. If you like, have the opportunity. Sucks, yeah. If you have the opportunity to, I don't know, somehow just be the ruling criminal element in a frontier town, it's do it. It's like, fun. <laughs> it sounds cool. I mean, yeah. like, obviously, you know, he ruined a lot of people's lives and that's bad, but like, fuck, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he went out a hell of a time, man. He fucking, yeah, like, like but just everything he did was crazy was he didn't really like do like like the traditional violence and shit like that yeah that it doesn't expect. sound like he really killed people yeah I mean people got killed when they needed to but it was like he was more of like he you know like if, if you're, they're dead they can't make you money like yeah, you can't exactly. get money from that, yeah, that so. was it. and so he just you know and he ran a town where normally if you're in charge of a town you run it with uh, you know the vice and you run it with like the, like you know like the, the drugs and things. he ran it like it was like a, it was all cons it was like well yeah. then it was the prostitution and gambling it's a circus too. town yeah it's I'm a sure he had 
his town. <laughs> I'm sure he had, there was some element of illicit vice stuff too, but yeah, it's a, it's a circus town. Yeah, yeah. He was just, yeah, just taking on the American West, man. That was, uh, that was the story of Soapy Smith. Goddamn. Yeah, Soapy Smith. That was a good uh, one. Thanks, yeah, Pat. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely maybe kind of worth it. Uh, something to consider. Something to consider. Consider yeah. it if you could. But uh, yeah, guys, just, uh, you know, make sure to follow us uh, on Twitter and or on Facebook. We're at LCS Podcast. Uh, you can follow, you can follow the podcast itself on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, we have uh, um, nothing now. That's I was like, what do we? Oh, what else yeah, do we yeah, have? Nothing else. Uh, you know, follow all the other excellent podcasts on Body Tape International. I mean, uh, Kath, you have some wonderful shows that you're a part of. Yeah, uh, WrestleSplania about professional wrestling and What a Time to Be Alive, which is a topical rundown of like silly news stories. Uh, those are both weekly podcasts, so check them out. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, you know, take care of yourselves, be safe, and remember, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.